Welcome to Stop Back and Roll, a podcast about putting every game you GM, play in, or hear about in the same universe. I'm Brandon. And I'm James. And today we're going to be talking about how to manage an ongoing game where you've got multiple GMs. stop hack and roll we are back after missing an episode yeah i've been away for a lot of weekends and you've been preparing for this baby yep exactly which has been wonderful and great to be doing and preparing for and also has been taking up quite a bit of my time for obvious reasons which is good i want it to be taking up my time yeah, and better to be doing the preparation now than than not being prepared. Yes, absolutely. But anyway, we are back now. Um, uh, what else? Did I, I wanted to talk about. <laughs> I want to talk about this Patreon. Okay. Um, because so we, for for two weeks now, or for for two episodes now, we've said that we were either had first. I think we said we had hit fifty, but I was wrong, and <laughs> then we had, and then we had someone uh upped their backing, so we hit fifty, but then someone else dropped their backing, so we're at only at forty nine <laughs> or one forty nine. I'm gonna call it and say we're close enough. Um, and so barring some great problem i think we want to say that our next podcast for real we're gonna do the live thing right and some some great problem does include the possibility of my baby arriving because we're in that kind of time frame which would not be a horrible thing it would be a good thing just a thing that throws things off yeah so it is my intention to do this live show. Um, it will probably be on the 24th because we typically record the Monday before we release. And that is the next episode. Um, we usually start recording around 7 p.m. EST. Mm-hmm. Um, and so w- w- it'll be a about an hour to record. And then we'll take a quick break while you upload their file. And then we'll pick back up again with me editing the thing. Uh, and you get to see that whole process. Which we're really so, thankful that everybody is backing us and helping us out with this. This is yeah. a really cool thing. And actually, right now, as we're working out uh, changes to how to make sure that our podcasts keep on happening, we're looking at like those Patreon funds and going like, hey, how can we use this to make sure that we're set up for more complicated lives and more complicated <laughs> yeah. uh, recording setups? Yeah, we've had the luxury of recording a lot of our podcasts in person. And so we're moving away from that for a little bit of the future because as as people become embabied uh <laughs> is a word i like using uh they're gonna have to be recording remotely and so buying remote setups for people is gonna be something that we do with all that money but i also want to i want to spend some advertising money i want to get some more people in this community i want to i want to get more people get our voices in more people's ears and we and we're able to do that because of the support that those people bring us absolutely so so yeah so presume We'll announce a little bit closer uh, once we know for sure. Once it looks like it's it's a it's a surer thing. But if uh, so, we'll do something on the twenty fourth. Um, 
hopefully it'll be a live show. We'll stream on the. I think we have a we have a we have a stop back and roll Twitch account, right? Um, I think we do. We haven't used and it for anything. We'll, we'll tweet about it some more, and, and or maybe I'll throw something in the feed as a as an auditory uh, reminder for people so they can come and watch uh, and listen to us record this 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 uh, catastrophe live, <laughs> um, and you can see how uh, how this whole process works. Um, and if it doesn't, if it doesn't happen then because, because of baby stuff, we'll find the next time, but I think we're close enough to the goal that I'm going to call it. So it's definitely on the table. Uh, we're going to make it happen. Sounds good. There's one other thing I want to quickly touch upon because it's kind of a fun, exciting thing. Uh, yeah, I am a stretch goal for quietus, a role-playing game of melancholy horror, and it has funded, it has hit my level. It's got like another 20 days to go, I guess 18 days to go as of the airing of this episode. It is an amazing Forged in the Dark game that takes out a lot of kind of the crunch of Forged of the Dark and gets at just like using the systems in really deeply genre-focused ways. Uh, cool. I'm really pumped. I get to write a story about being like stalked through a abandoned uh, residence hall by someone who might be your friend that died 10 years ago. <laughs> I don't know if that is who it is yet. I'm, I'm working out the details still, but that's the approximate story of Hammond Hall. Hmm. That's pretty cool. You've wanted to be a stretch goal on a thing for a while. I have. I've actually been, <laughs> I've been some stretch goals recently because I was big bad con, uh, the maze, which is an upcoming, uh, system agnostic slash OSR kind of, uh, adventure module sort of space uh slash setting i was recently a stretch goal for that as well and managed to hit that also uh would us missing the episode meant i didn't get the chance to really talk about it yeah but uh i gotta up my stretch goaling game (laughs) gotta well because now nobody wants me for a stretch goal yeah well remember now we have this ridiculous goal of hitting our bsot our board game story game osr and traditional game and uh, I'm I'm halfway to my B sot in stretch goals, so I got to get some board gamers and some trad gamers <laughs> to start hitting me <laughs> up. But yeah, anyone out there who's running a Kickstarter and wants me to talk about something and then never finish it <laughs> as a stretch goal, don't do that. Hit me up. Don't don't do that. You might remind people of too many too many Kickstarters. Don't think about our game. Don't think about all the games that I've said I've started and <laughs> haven't worked enough on. <sighs> I think I actually do think that we're going to I'm going to be ready to have another another update episode about uh, my um, a space between nice. because I have I've sort of like been in brain thinking space time where I haven't been like writing down stuff. Yeah, but I've just been like working through how do I want to do some things and I have some new ideas. I, ha- I want to go through and do another refresh on the cards. I want to write I want to like write about the rules a little bit <laughs> so they're not just in my head. Yeah, um, but I think I'll be ready to do another update episode soon. Cool. Cool. I'm hoping to get uh, some stuff with Radcrawl out in the next couple of weeks, which I know sounds like madness, but I potentially have a week <laughs> off. So, uh, well, so we'll see. Yeah. So uh, let's get back into our topic, or let's get yeah. not back into our topic, but into the topic. So we've been playing a game for a while. It's called Masks: A New Generation, and what is interesting about it is not necessarily the game that we've been playing, at least for the topic that we're hitting today, but the mm-hmm. way that we've been doing it. Uh, we've been playing in 
the open table tradition that has people coming in and out of the game and having various different GMs and having a lot of different storylines going on at once. And that's been functional. And now we're trying to see what we can do to systematize. Now we're trying to see what we can do to systematize this a little bit better to get even better results out of it. Yeah, because we've had um, we've had a a channel in our in the Discord, um, and which if we weren't if this were just a home game would be a text chat or something like that yeah. between all the people who are GMs. And so we share things like, Hey, don't touch this character. I need this NPC for a plan. Or, um, I have this part of I have this great idea for a story, but it's not working for me. Like I can't, I can't work it into this thing that I'm working on right now. Somebody else do this. Yeah. Or, um, I think there have been at least one or two times where we said, Hey, could you, someone else introduce this and this thing, um, so that I can pay it off later. Um, and, but so, yeah, as we start to like sort of I'm I'm thinking about restructuring Protean City a little bit and yeah. and I think that it's going to be fun and I think that it's a, definitely a thing that uh I'm excited to talk about more once we once we actually like execute it. If all goes well, this will bring us closer to like the vision that we had for Protean City from the beginning and yeah. have just been trying to work out how to make it happen. And so one of the, the the things we need to do is like sort of uh pay more attention to as we have this rotating group of GMs, uh, how do we all share the storytelling and making sure that we, like one of the things when we looked back on the first season, uh, season, year, run. two years, whatever, how long, run, of, <laughs> of, is that we wanted our stories to be a little bit tighter. And yeah. um, and so we just want to talk about, uh, it's, it's not really intended to be like a Protean City like, like look back no. episode, but, but, but just like sort of talking about how if you, like I know um, I'm on, on the, uh, the Sunday group game that I run uh, Masks for and have run Urban Shadows for, we have a rotating seat GM, um, usually do a run of a game for a while and then we stop and someone else takes over. Um, and, and so I think that that's a pretty common thing. And if you wanted to, like, so for the this, this Sunday group, we rotate between games and tell sort of discrete stories. But if you wanted to tell a continuous story with just different GMs running, um, you would run into the same problems. And so we're going to talk about some stuff. Yeah. So that's basically what we want to try to tackle today. We've got a little bit of an outline of an idea and we want to kind of see what it looks like. And as we flesh things out, what it does. Mm hmm. Oh, man, I don't even know where to start on this. Okay, <laughs> um, let's, let's say, like, let's talk minimum, right? Like, yeah. what do you need to communicate? What? Oh, I gave away part of my ideas on this. Ooh. What do you need to do between multiple GMs running the same story? Hint, uh, well, I said the word communicate. communicate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, that could be done in a whole bunch of different ways. I have been in D&D games where the GM got a binder from whoever was GMing before them, and there was lots and lots of information and resources and everything like that. Uh, that could be done in other ways also, mm -hmm. because that's so much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not for that much prep. That's too much for me. <laughs> um, I think that the big thing for me, uh, like my big piece of like uh advice or my my big concept that i think i'm, I'm gonna try to at pitch for us to try yeah is just sort of um 
uh, like quant not like quantifying concepts and stories and characters as much as possible into uh like I want to say moves is not the right thing but like um the way that like in masks the way that the game asks you to build NPC villains yeah where you te- where you list a name you list the villain's name you list if they have a real name you list mm-hmm. their what dr- what is what is their drive you list a couple moves of things they do I usually include their powers mm-hmm. and then I also include in my I have a little I, I have a little template box that I that I write for each of my NPCs um that is also like if they are a um a hook for a character. Um, right. And yeah. then, it, and so I write down if they're a hook for the character, another character. And if so, what is the, what is the label in this case that they, they see in that character? Okay. Yeah. So you basically have, what is their whole deal? What do they do? How do we refer to them? And yeah. then how do they interact with the story? And then every time I run a session that changes that character's, uh, circumstances like if they become hired by a different villain if they stop working with the villain organization that they've been working on or even if they're an, a positive NPC if they change their relationship anyway or if they change their powers in some way I update that card and so sort of having like a uh, a, a cast of characters yeah. is, is a really easy way to to share information between GMs so the GM can uh, any any is sort of the way that, that masks even officially publishes a deck of villainy. Yeah. You can kind of do that for your own game. And even if it isn't masks doing that same kind of thing for any NPC, what are their moves? What are the things that like, even if you're playing a game that doesn't have moves, like what, but like, what are the things you're going to do with them as a, as a, as a GM? Mm -hmm. What are like, here's their stat block. Here's the things they do. Here's how they see the characters and so on and so on. Yeah, that makes sense. I think especially in a crunchier game, like you want there's a degree of consistency that if two GMs don't have it, mm-hmm. it stops making sense. And like some of that you can ascribe to whatever the genre you're doing. Like, you know, with us in comics, of course, yeah. things have different power levels and things shift around and everything. But like if you're doing a high fantasy, intense drama kind of thing, and then suddenly like one session, somebody is a incredibly powerful vampire and next, they are just some dude because someone forgot to read the stat block. <laughs> yeah, that's going to make a difference great. in how the game feels. Yeah, and you can do the same thing with locations. Yeah, and sort of story through lines. So you can list out like the different lo- the different locations that characters have gone, the the scene like places where you set scenes. You can list, and I and then I what I would what I would do would be to go through each one and. Um, almost like do the fate thing of listing the face mm. of the or of the location. So like if they're if it's a movie theater, put the person who is the friendly manager. If it's a uh, a drive-in, it's the the food attendant or whatever. Like who when when you go there, who's the person who's always there? And then list like moods. Yeah. I think would be helpful so that if you are then like if if we've created a whole bunch of locations that have moods related to them like the sewers are always kind of dreary the mm. the the drive-in theater is um like a place to get away from parents and stuff like that well then if you are doing your prep and you go okay well I need a place that's kind of gloomy to throw some plot uh, or to have my villain be hiding what what are the locations that we've established that are gloomy do they work yeah, this, the sewers will work for this plot line, so let's go back to there. Okay, I'm about to drag us now. 
Okay. We we haven't done this. No. No. <laughs> so so uh what have so like I think this is great and I think this is some stuff that really conceptually works. Mm-hmm. But like we've been managing with essentially not having done that cuz I also have my yeah. NPC cards. But yeah. you've run my NPCs, I've run your NPCs and we did not share each other's cards. No, we had a couple moments where I stopped in the middle of a game and went, "How does this NPC talk?" like like yeah, it was it was when we when we did it the last time when I had when I played Windshear. Yeah, I was like, how does Windshear talk again? Like, yeah. can you just say some things as him so I can kind of get his voice? Um, and, I continuously struggle to play the asset at all. <laughs> um, and like that is something that is going to have some inconsistency, no question, no matter what. Like, even yeah. if even if I attached a file of me going. And this is now me reading as the asset and started yeah. reading as the asset like that. It wouldn't. I'm never going to be able to hit that same tone of voice. Of course, because we're different yeah. people, different voices. Yeah. Uh, despite despite what people tell us. Uh, <laughs> um, but by but so we have had some success and we have had some communication. So what we've done, like up to this point in kind of our managing and like, you know, put your head down and barrel mm-hmm. your way through has been a lot of essentially claiming ownership of yeah. different parts of the game. Yeah. And, 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 and like, so especially because I, I think was I the first person who GM'd a game I think besides so. you. And so what I kind of had done from the very beginning was I sort of carved out a little section of the city and in a sort of theoretical sense. And I said, I'm going to make some new NPCs. I will let there be some overlap, like mm-hmm. because of we have a protege. So the, their mentor has to show up no matter what. So sometimes I'm going to have to play the asset. Um, and obviously like you, uh, I, the, the innocent is there. So I, have to play someone has to play their their future self um but i'm going to basically create my own cast of characters and villains who are sort of largely separate from the what the villains that you were running with Mm -hmm. as a way of not stepping on anyone's toes yeah i don't know if i've used any of your villains in any like major ways i don't think i've put them in because i think vapor fist was one of yours oh yeah vapor fist is the one (laughs) Uh, who shut up a lot just because of vape jokes um but like i've i've because i am running more games mm-hmm. i kind of came in with the policy of hey uh feel free to use anything of mine it's all open source uh and yeah. go for it because i don't have any i have so many plans that i don't need any specific ones right yeah yeah, yeah that makes sense and that's been working fine, I think. I don't, there's not been anything. And you were, you also were running a lot of stories that established big organizations. Like a yeah. lot of your plot lines revolved around the appointed mm-hmm. or Falcon that were the sort of like big world building uh, scenarios. Yeah. So I guess that is a way that you could do this sharing True. thing where you have one person who sort of does the big world building stuff and then let everyone else sort of play around the edges of that world. Which is what we've done. Which is something that we did a little bit intentionally. Like, we talked Mm -hmm. about... It's comic books, so we talked about using, like, the Marvel method. And having a... uh, Having a series plotter. And having, like, the big Marvel meetup where you talk through some of the ideas. uh, Which we've just done, like, in the Discord as a broad sense. But, like, we've done things where I've said, like, hey, I want to do this plotline. I don't know how long it's going to take. 
this character is a little important for that plot line. Please don't murder them. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. put it, yeah. just put it out there. And then everyone else, obviously we all, all of the players are also writers for it. All, everyone is involved on a deeper level than just, uh, than like it would be for a comic book in terms of setting up the plot. I think the only organization that I sort of passed backwards to you uh, rather than stealing from you was maybe Callaway Corporation, which mm. was an, an an organization integral to my plot line. Um, ha- looking back, it would have been very easy for me to say, "Here are these NPCs that are in- that are sort of integral to my story. Yeah. Here is how they are loosely connected." Like for the most part, it was all these villains are employed by this larger villain. Yeah. Here's the kinds of things that they could like. Like it would have been very easy for you to grab punchline punchline is basically a clown mercenary so he's just doing whatever work for anyone um and so he needs to be not dead to Mm -hmm. make sure that he is part of my plot but because most villains in masks uh run away before getting caught captured and even if he was captured i can still kind of like work around that it's a comic book no one stays in jail um and uh it would have been very easy to say, just make sure you don't do the X, Y, and Z, but for anything else, here's where, like, if you have a villain who needs a hired hand, he's a great villain for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, do you want to talk next steps? I want to talk about two other things really okay, quickly. Okay. Um, first is, I think that we were able to get away with what we did, mm-hmm. um, with sort of being as, as loosey-goosey as we were, because of that first s- signal light world building mm. session that we yeah. did. And so I think if you are planning to to run a campaign where you have a rotating GM, um, doing that kind of like base level world building was big. Like we established a city. We, we came up with r- districts of the city and what happens in those districts. Um, we came up with a, a broad cast of characters, uh, many of whom we haven't even completely used yet. And yeah. so... And so I think that more than anything else, especially, I mean, Masks is like really cares about its, its, its history of heroes, but it meant that in sessions that you were running, we talked about the histories of, of the Striped Eagle and the Dynamic Blitz. And when I talked and when I ran games, those were the same shared histories. Yeah. Whenever we needed to have people go to uh, a business place that was in the block because we'd established the block as sort of the business district. Whenever we needed um, downtown or like uh, houses out nearby the city, that was always in the same district because we had established a a somewhat realistic world that we had sort of sketched out. And yeah. having that as a base ground, like groundwork for everything, um, in a in a very formal way, like we had played. Uh, microscope which had its right cards down and sort of framing out this history both both in the in a time sense of like who are the heroes now who did they fight and then the next generation what were those heroes and what did they fight but as well as like here are the locations here are key people here are key organizations here's when they rose and fall fell yeah Um, and i think that having that solid background uh history really was what led us kind of freeform it for so long yeah i think so um and i think that honestly it is the kind of thing that would be sustainable if we were kind of trying to stay in the same exact level of production right yeah Yeah, Uh, yeah, if we were continuing to stick with more or less going around this one group 
and the things that are around them and just like hit occasional tangential things, mm-hmm. this could continue to function because at worst we'd have to be more careful as there's more pots on the fire to not be in each other's pots. Mm-hmm. But I mean, got to keep those pots spinning. Yeah. Got to keep the pots spinning on the fires. Um, <laughs> uh, the other thing together. I want to talk about before we get into too much of what like we're, we're planning yeah. um, is so uh, before uh, it largely most of this has happened. So I'm sorry, Ryan, if I get some of this story wrong. Um, but uh, w- this Sunday group that I play with, they have a running universe that they often return to for different games that is one where I, I touched in it. We played a monster of the week game uh, that was set during uh, prohibition era um, where not only alcohol, but also magic was prohibited. Um, and it's mm. the same sort of universe that they have returned to uh, multiple times. And they were talking, I was hanging out with a, a bunch of these guys in real life for the first time this weekend. Uh, and they were talking about how um, between sessions, the the one like what they like at one point they ran into um a, a group of characters npcs who had who had formed a little sort of civilization on a, i think it was i forget if it was an island or a moon because i completely forget what the setting was um but it was an isolated organization like an, an isolated civilization that were all descendants from um, one of the and the player characters from a previous game, yeah. And so he, he that character was someone who could like um, I think translate in or uh, transform into a, a, a some sort of a, an animal. I, again, I forget if it was a crow or a wolf or something, but it was some some sort of a transformative uh, character. And so this whole settlement of of people who were descendants from that PC had that ability as well in the next campaign. Yeah. And so in this sort of like. So rather than the way that we have done it, where we say all of these stories are roughly taking place at the same time mm-hmm. um, and we're just going to sort of play around in the same city, they have said, here is this universe and we're going yeah. to tell different stories from different eras. Like, I think they've literally done like 18th century pirates and also space. Yeah. Uh, like future stuff. And but but having a sort of shared universe and some shared events like we did with with the microscope game, mm-hmm. um helps them sort of connect back in in ways that are more than just like oh look at that character's name is on this thing yeah or like actually like having things sort of affect the past events and thinking about how that will change the future yeah that's a cool thing to be able to start looking at and i think that increasingly we're gonna have to start doing some of that stuff as well yeah um there's only so much we can do be with our side stories before they start hitting each other's yeah before they start hitting each other and start hitting kind of the main story as it has been Mm -hmm. uh recently there was a whole lot of you know giant giant white lights going into the (laughs) sky and that's probably (laughs) no it needs to be like if we're and if we're i mean and so this is kind of a um good thing bad thing but like with a with a comic book world if aliens attack new york in one comic mm-hmm. it is not unreasonable for daredevil to be off two blocks away and have his story not mention the alien attack at all because yeah. just, they're unrelated um but at the same time you do want your game to, to sort of feel coherent in a way that yeah maybe the comic books don't and so having ha- if, if like brandon runs a game where a whole bunch of lights go off in the sky and then i run a game where the same thing happens like characters should start talking about all the lights in the sky yeah 
it's it's not a coincidence that we're all looking skyward in Burning City. Uh ooh, is that a minor hype? Was that a minor hype spoiler? I don't know if it was. Maybe. It might have been. Uh so that's kind of like where we've been. Yeah. Uh anything else before we start looking at where we're going? Um, the only other thing that I wanted to say was that having a wiki was really helpful, mm, yeah. um, to remember a lot of the events and the names of the villains. Cause often you would like, I think that, um, a great example of this was you threw out the name, um, the, the sorcerer oct in yes. some big list of villains. And because it was someone you didn't have plans for, I grabbed them and used them in a game that I ran. Um, and I was just like scrolling through the wiki looking for villains that we hadn't <laughs> fulfilled yet. Um, and so that's a great way to do that. And I think it's pretty easy to set up. Like I set up a, a fandom uh, wikia thing. Yeah. Um, but if you have a any kind of web hosting, it's really in- easy to install a media wiki server uh, and, and keep track of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and just sort of like uh, just as a way of, you know, as a uniform place of keeping a list of names and stuff, basically. And that could also, if you get, like, kind of your workflow going the right way, you could even put the villain cards onto your wiki. Yeah. You know, like, there's no reason that players can't see your villain cards. It's not like they have anything important on them. (laughs) They've got moves, but the players probably can know the moves. Yeah. Like, maybe it's spoilers for an upcoming issue or whatever, but even then, who cares that much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I guess I don't know if we want to talk about this now, but I was actually thinking about something that we might want to do going forward is um, uh, the media wiki or wiki tool is kind of a generic thing. Yeah. But there are some like special tools, like specialized for running tabletop campaigns. That's like, true. Um, have you ever messed around with World Anvil? No, I think World Anvil came out after I stopped messing around with those things. Okay, it is a very cool um, tabletop tool and campaign manager where you sort of like create a campaign, you start uh, start establishing facts about the world, it lets you build out NPCs, um, it lets you build out timelines so you can flag events huh. in articles that like will then get placed onto a, a timeline, it lets you actually like, you can build out a map and trace where your characters have gone if that's something that you're interested in. Oh, that's cool. And I think that one of the things you can do is say um, you can invite everyone in your campaign to that the World Anvil account. And I forget if it's a paid thing or not, but I think you can set up multiple GMs and because you can make pages for your villains and stuff that aren't for players to see, but you could flag them as things other GMs could see. Interesting. And I've been thinking about setting one up for Protean City for a long time because as a tool for managing a rotating GM team, it might actually be very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and like, and like we sort of said, we, we've been able to sort of just kind of wing it for so long that it was never really, uh, it didn't feel super necessary, but now that we are sort of doubling down on some stuff, yeah, I think it might actually be really worth it. I think it, and, and I know, um, there's a, there's a group of people, um, I, I think I could, again, this is just a whole episode of me being not quite positive about stuff, but I think that um, uh, Eric Sigente and uh, Vanessa Haas, who have like a a mask stream that they talk about, or Mm -hmm. not stream, just masks game game that they talk about, um, I believe they use uh, World Anvil to track their their um their game and i don't think they're even doing it as a shared gm thing it's just like a a good way to keep track of what happened in the different sort of sessions 
That's cool. Um, especially if you're taking breaks between games. Yeah, th- that could definitely be worth checking out. Although our our needs are a little big. Yeah, <laughs> with like number the only of people thing, involved. The only thing I stuff. don't love about it is that you can't make a lot of it public. It's definitely uh, designed. So like, I was looking at it originally to be a replacement for the wiki. Yeah, you can't really make it. I think there's some amount of, of making it public, and we should investigate it. Um, yeah. but it was it's definitely designed to be like you have users who are your players who join. Yeah, you're um, like a home group. So I don't know. I I think we should look into it. Yeah. Um, but that might be a a useful tool. Yeah, there's there's some real cool weird. I'm just looking at the pricing. Yeah. Uh, and it's like the number of things that are listed here that are just like guild exclusive map markers. I don't even know what that means. Map layers per world. Who knows? Mm-hmm. That all sounds neat. Because that's like what you can like you can make a map and then if you if like an asteroid hits or the dragon awakens under the mountaintop, yeah. you can add another layer that is like the destroyed mountain or the crater hit. Uh, Interesting. That people can like toggle between in your world map. Huh, that's cool. And I think it is designed a little bit to be done um, sort of Pathfinder Society style, mm, where yeah. you can like share uh, um, things between games. That's cool. Because that is something that we almost would need to have, depending upon how things yeah. go. <laughs> um, so what else, have you, what else have you had in mind for things that we can do to improve this? So here's what I'm thinking about. I think one of the things is definitely just sharing the resources. Mm-hmm. But I think another thing is getting getting communication happening between the gms to determine who's running what in a way that is a little bit less kind of slapdash Mm -hmm. um like we primarily run our core group but like we have some guests that have come in and we've talked about like revisiting guests and we've talked about doing other different stories and things like that and i think that the when as we start to have more of that if we start to have more of that we want to have a more clear idea of what each of those things is. Mm-hmm. Because when we have the majority of our, like we have our kind of core team, uh, are fighting the appointed or whatever, like it's unlikely that random guest episode, we're going to go, okay, and then we deal with the appointed and take care of them and solve it forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because it would be weird to do that. It would be unlikely for that to occur. But if we have multiple storylines going at once in a more separated way, they could start having a bigger effect on the world that yeah. is shared, right? Because what we like the thing that we want to have happen is group A is um and this is not necessarily so okay. So let's just I want to back up for one second. Yeah. yeah. Say that we're not necessarily talking about having uh, two or three or whatever totally separate groups. No. Yeah. Um, but what we are talking about is like, so we have like the big group that is all of our players who um, is sort of like the prime storyline that we've been telling. And then we have some guest episodes like we have uh, all the stuff that Light Show has been involved in and those are some side stories. And we might have like um, a couple of the characters, like we've done a bunch of Alina and, and Puck episodes 
that focused on the two of them. Um, and so they might be their own storyline and we might like, and focus on telling that as though it's its own storyline. Yeah. Um, and, but what we do, so what we don't want is like for if group, if the prime group is focusing on their big thing of fighting Falcon, we don't want to have someone come in, in a, in a guest episode and have them destroy Falcon. But what we do want is like, have a Falcon agent who is, or, or, or to use the appointed is better. Um, like, so Guild is a good example. Guild is a character who is, uh, works for the appointed and is part of the appointed, but is not necessarily part, part of their leadership hierarchy. And yeah. so if we told a story with a, a different subset of the characters or some guests or whatever that wasn't like focused on destroying the appointed, it would be cool to have Guild as a character that shows up in that world and maybe helps them f- towards their task. And then when the prime group takes down the appointed, well, suddenly maybe Guild loses their powers. Maybe Guild has to go leave and can't help the Southern group. Um, yeah. And so it's not that like the two groups overlap or, or clash too much, but that the world is coherent and that things have repercussions. Yes, absolutely. And so planning that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is essentially doing some of the same work we've been doing, but in a more explicit way. So where we've been saying, instead of saying like, this is your character. Yeah. We say this is a character that's primarily connected to this plot line. Mm-hmm. And maybe that plot line is being managed primarily by one person. Or is being plotted by one person. Mm-hmm. But I, even within that, that still allows the multiple GM angle, right? Yeah. So, like, if if you end up taking on our uh, street level, kind of our kind of street level monster harding, monster harding, monster mm. hunting. Mm. <laughs> street, is it though? Uh, is it? Is might it be monster though? harding. It might be monster harding. Our street level monster hunting a luchador inspired comic line <laughs> uh that doesn't mean that someone else can't also do an episode in it yeah just that you have the kind of broad control that like i've kind of been doing with some of our main line with like being able to say okay you're running what is the idea you're doing cool this works in with these things let me suggest this character who'd be really good for you to use mm-hmm. but we've been doing some of that of me going like hey you need this We've got one from this other episode. This could be useful. Yeah. Um, and just having some of like, not quite that ownership in it, but like that uh, starting guide point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like we had talked, uh, we've also talked a little bit about or something that I have desired us to do more of um, is have like GM debrief sessions where we sit down and say, okay, well, I just ran a session, um, that maybe you were in, but maybe you weren't. Here's the things that happened in that session. And here are repercussions on the world, on the characters. Um, like don't use wind shear next episode. I threw him off a train. Yeah. He needs to recover a little bit. Yeah. Um, or, or do like, but at least be aware that this is where it happened because, Uh, then, then we can sort of coordinate um, and and and, st- and not step on each other's toes. Yeah. <laughs> FYI, Storm lost her powers. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is a good thing. Um, yeah. Another thing that I want to do is, um, and this is maybe 
I think this is this is something that is like particularly true of uh, comic book stories, but I think is also true of 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 any story really, because I think this would be true if you were running a D and D campaign uh, yeah. in this sort of way. But um, uh, comic book stories are sort of these hit they hit these crescendos, they hit these crossover crescendos, mm-hmm. um, big events in the world, and I think that sort of even where we are now, having just sort of come out of an event. Um, to point forward and say, this is what our next big event is. Yeah. Maybe we don't know necessarily what it is, um, but like a good example would be, because I think this is a uh, not a spoiler, would be to say, do we want our next big threat to come from space? Yeah. Like, yeah. is our storyline that ultimately s- some big villain from space is going to come and try to snap their fingers all over our planet and do bad stuff? And even though we haven't necessarily worked out the details of what that's going to look like, we know that that is the, sort of our goal. And, yeah. and, and, and not necessarily um, to the point of having everything sort of like ramp up towards that big event, but just to be aware of it so that you can say, oh, maybe I'll invent, uh, when, I need to, when I need to add a character, I will have them come from space. Yeah. Or I'll add another NPC who is an astronomer who's mm-hmm. looking at space. Um, yeah, because you have, could really have it so that every comic line we're doing does something towards that direction or every plot line you're yeah. doing is something towards that direction. Like I I'm coming back to our monster hunting. Does monster hunting aim towards space? Probably less than other comic series. Yeah. But there's no reason you couldn't like have some of it. Like if you've got werewolves, that's a reason to be looking at space. Yeah. And if and if and even it, and then just by by pointing that thing out, by setting that flag post somewhere down the line, you yeah. could even do things like say, we're gonna do for our for our, our ground level monster hunter monster huntering. Um, we're just gonna be like one of the core storylines is that there is more increased monster activity. Yeah. Why is that? It's because they're all agitated by something that happens in space. Yeah. That doesn't have to play into any of the individual episodes, mm-hmm. um, but does sort of say like if I have that in my mind as as a person who could be potentially GMing this, and then if you wanted to step in and GM an episode, all I need to say is just have like more activity and have the characters be riled up by something. And yeah. as the players investigate and try to figure out why it is all these monsters are getting riled up. Well, ultimately, we right before the event, preferably discover that it's because some moon thing fell from space and has got all the the uh, the werewolves real antsy. Yeah, that checks out. That totally makes sense. And then from there, you you're able to start guiding everything towards that. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk real quick about something that you sent to me earlier. Mm-hmm. Which was basically like a little uh, comic run charter document is how you described yes. it. Uh, because I think this is really useful and I think this is a good way to think about kind of open table games in a shared world. Because mm-hmm. this is like nothing new. Like actually on the gauntlet just this week, somebody was talking about their like long term semi Lovecraftian story that has gone mm-hmm. on for several hundred years. And that also has like long history and everything like that just run by one GM. Mm. So this basically lets us say with this kind, with this comic run, with this story we're telling, what are the elements that the plotter has some control over? 
that GMs that play in that plotter's space should be keeping an eye on. Mm -hmm. Does that sound right? Yes. That's exactly Um, what I was thinking of. Perfect. Because, like, what we've kind of had so far... Is, we should we should say what this is. Yeah, let's do this. Let's do I think this. you haven't. I think we haven't fully said this. So here's what you sent me. Um, that basically this would be that each comic run would have a charter document that lists the characters and players that are involved in it, the primary setting, which is like the locational setting, mm-hmm. uh, lines and veils for the players that are in it, and actually probably lines and veils also just for like the level of story, right? Yeah. Like some stories are like our core Protean city story doesn't go into like horror and body. Like it doesn't go into like body horror and gore, right? Yeah. Uh, monster hunting might, but probably at safe yeah. levels. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you also put comic book references uh, such as give it a Hellboy feel, try to hit young Avenger notes, etc. And I think that that's a really good starting place for it. Uh, because basically what, we, what we've had so far is for characters and players, we've had the kind of core players with mm-hmm. occasional random guests. Uh, primary setting has just been Protean City. Uh, lines and Veils, we have our Lines and Veils that we discussed and we kind of like know each other as a home group. Mm-hmm. And I think we've more or less most of the time kind of aimed for that Young Avengers sort of feel, that Young Avengers or Champions feel. Yeah, and we've done little things, like, obviously, if it's a smaller session, uh, but Sage is involved, then, like, chances are the bad guy is going to have magic. Yeah, exactly. Because that's what's relevant to Sage's story. Or if Windshear is involved, then I'm going to put some villains who are kind of gray area, ambiguous villains who are going to try to draw him towards that or characters that are going to piss him off because that's what I'm trying. Like basically playbook level sort of stuff. So maybe this needs like a fifth section Mm -hmm. of like comic run moves. Mm. Um, that to be used just like regular villain moves or regular yeah. playbook moves or whatever. That's like, if we are in the, if we're in monster hunting, then like a really good move is show a civilian victim. Yeah. Like not put innocence in danger, put innocence in danger is a part of the regular mm-hmm. Protean city setting, but like show a civilian victim is a really good way to make us go like, oh yeah, these are vampires and this is bad news. Yeah, even if it even if it just is the the core uh, GM moves though, mm-hmm. I often uh, whenever I sit down to prep a session, I think about the story, basically this charter document. I think about what I'm going to be trying to hit emotionally, yeah. and like not every GM move is relevant to every story, but yeah. I will go through and I'll write down the GM moves that I think I'm going to particularly lean on in yeah. a given session. That's um, fair. We're actually getting into, I mean, this is like, again, <laughs> this is like highly mask specific, but <laughs> we're getting into a little bit of what the the arcs uh, thing in the, in the masks book actually asks you to do. Yeah, that's um, very true. And and it walks you through sort of broad picture um, goals for like it, like it specifically says write down every player not player mm-hmm. not like um, 
a human player, but like yeah. every player in the events of the story, like all your villains, all of your heroes, all of the play, like the player characters, and what are their goals? What are they trying to do during this phase of the story? Yeah. Um, and so I think that would actually let us do things like um, we could have if you had. So if you had a a, uh, a villain like Inspector Insector. Yeah. He's not someone who has come up too much, um, but is in theory a big, powerful, sort of Silver Age villain. Yeah. Now, for our main sort of Young Avengers style A-plot uh, comic, um, their moves might be like, their goals are to cause chaos, to, uh, ev- like, to get vengeance on the people they feel wronged them, um, and sort of like unleash anger about their family because they have a whole family backstory that no one knows yeah. but me. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but that's fine. Um, but in our monster hunting, monster hunting, um, monster hearting, um, they have, they are a monsterish monstrous villain um, who might have other goals on that small scale. So like it would not be, mm. it would be appropriate for a move for that villain for the, the young Avengers style thing to be like launch a, uh, magnifying glass in the city to shoot lasers down from by focusing the sun and burn parts of the boardwalk like yeah. big kind of villainy things but it would also just be uh but for like a, a street level monster hunting it, their goal could he be has someone's skin with chitin yeah or even just like oh they're uh, fucking moves that's not a good goal no, <laughs> no a not a good goal but just like like what they could be trying to rile up the different um monstrous organizations uh, yeah. and pit them against each other so maybe they're the big villain like they're not actively taking uh actions in the in the story but they are like behind the scenes poking and prodding and and they're hyper powerful for that setting but sort of yeah. mid-tier powerful for the main setting um, and so they can have different goals in each sort of setting, even though they they appear in both. I really like that. I like that both just like for having shared characters and like mm-hmm. kind of having a setup that makes everything feel connected. And also for like getting those feels of different comic books. Like like you mentioned Hellboy in this, and that's a great example. But like I'm just even thinking in terms of like really, really core Marvel Universe, like Daredevil's a pretty normal Marvel character, mm-hmm. and his book looks entirely different from anyone else's book. Yeah. And so, like, having that, being able to go, like, this is the same world. Like, you see Daredevil and Spider-Man in comics together, and if it's a Spider-Man comic or it's a Daredevil comic, those are two very different experiences. Yeah. And I think having that and having, like, maybe even... Maybe even having a little bit more about what the thrusts of the stories are. Mm-hmm. Like, I think uh, in uh, Masks Unbound, there's like a galactic road trip uh, setting of some kind. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the name of the playbook play set is. But like having that and going like, hey, Thor Ragnarok is is galactic road trip. Yeah. And that's what this is about. And so like, if you are doing if maybe even oh like sometimes when we've done an episode i'll be like the palette of this episode is these emotions and these colors yeah and like even having that like kind of codified in there i think having i think having colors and an art style for each thing is like a good idea yeah i agree that's dope kirby crackle yeah yeah 
yeah, yeah, not yeah. not for monster hunting, obviously. No, although, <laughs> but like, Space but then when you hunting. use it, it stands out, and you can yeah. use that differing art style to call out things that are different. Yeah, um, like there, there were there have been some very hilarious episodes of or issues of Deadpool where Deadpool mm-hmm. does Spider Man stuff, and so then they they draw it in the Spider Man style. Um, yeah. He famously like went through issue one of Spider Man. <laughs> Um, and it's like it's the most ridiculous thing, but it looks like an old style thing. Have you read um, the Immortal Hulk? No. Oh my god! I don't know if I can even re- necessarily recommend this comic series. It's um, it's a new, it's new, it's relatively new on Marvel Unlimited, right? It's only like ten mm-hmm. issues in on Marvel Unlimited, which means it's ten issues and six months old. Yeah. Um, but it really paints Hulk as like a horror story and so it has like all of these really bizarre differing art styles that's really that that just has me thinking like you could write you could play your game with that in your mind Mm -hmm. yeah so i think i think that the big thing about this is what the reason why when we initially started um and i carved out my own little section of the the party and city world to tell um, what I was, what I was, what I was really worried about primarily was saying I don't necessarily know where Brandon is going with this story, so I don't know how to tell a story in the main sort of through line um, that won't sort of step on the toe on the toes of that story by accident, and mm. or won't just feel different. Like, how, yeah. like, like any story because of the way that, G- that Brandon and I GM differently, my stories will just feel different. And so I might as well just make them different stories. Um, yeah. But if I had a document that said, well, so we have this sort of shared monster hunting level, um, street level thing, and here's how you hit it. Think about, think about Daredevil. Think about uh, film noir. Think about posters of lucha wrestlers and then and then have it be a little bit scooby-doo have it be a little bit like don't be afraid to get it a little bit goofy but also like have it be heartfelt and personal um and and then here are some major npcs who who are players in the world uh and here are the things they're doing that would let me sit in and say okay well i don't know what brandon's big picture goals for that are but i can definitely tell a one or two off episode because i want to gm and use a villain or something like that yeah um and i will hit not necessarily the i won't i won't probably do something that progresses the story unless what needs to be progressed is just like another monster of the week that is a monster who's been perturbed by space yeah in some way uh, i'll be able to hit those big things by having the 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 goal of the crossover at some point yeah um, but i'll be able to tell a story that definitely hits the tone yeah th- this is this is good this also opens up some like think forward thinking in terms of how we handle these different guests and storylines mm-hmm. because like what we've done so far is we've been like it's been you most of the time because it's been a lot of convention recording and stuff like that. Uh, but it's been like, this is light show. Yeah. But if we as a cast as like kind of the main cast that are the majority of the recordings, uh, like, you know, the people that have been in Mm -hmm. the majority of them, if there is a cast member that goes, Hey, I'm super interested in monster hunting. Then we make sure they have a monster hunting character. Yeah. If we have someone who's like, oh, I need to get to space, let me tell you. <laughs> then we make sure they have a space character, and then we can also have kind of like a broader spectrum of characters in it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and something that I've always wanted to do is and that it, that it, that is a uh, is that thing where like okay, so we have we have had in the past um, sessions where. That we'll, like we'll, we'll like so the sort of the, the a little bit of insider stuff about Protean City, but frequently the way we'll do it is say, okay, well we need to record an episode. Yeah. Um, who is got a GM? Like which of the GMs has a uh, thing that they're ready to prep or feels confident that they can run something? Uh, okay, what day are they available? Who else yeah. is available on that day? And we'll grab whatever players are available. And so we've had yeah. a couple sessions where it was like, okay, well Brandon is going to run something, and the two people who are ready are Jess and Elsbeth. So the characters yeah. we're going to get are Alina and Sage. And we have these cool like we've had. I think there have been two or three girls' night episodes. Um. And mostly, I think, um, accidentally, they have ended up being like weird horror episodes, uh, mostly because they started off as a Halloween episode. And then I yeah. think the, uh, the next one was spooky for some reason. Um, but to really like... I think lean- that's because they've got the magic going on. Yeah. And like, I cannot divorce magic and spookiness from my mind. <laughs> but to But to sit down and really say, okay, when these are the two people who show up for the session, this is not the prime plot storyline of Young Avengers. This is uh, whatever we call the Sage and Alina comic. And then let's let's lean into that that aesthetic. And even if you're doing this in just your home group, and you're like you're doing just like round table, like maybe you have a, uh, a a weekly meetup where you play and whoever shows up shows up. And then if one of the people picks themselves as a GM and preps for that session, you know in advance who's showing up and then just but you know, it's not the whole crew. It's some subset of them decide what their comic book line is like or decide what maybe like if you're talking i mean if you're talking about um a dungeon world campaign like decide which are you talking lord of the rings are you doing conan like what fantasy setting are you aiming for which sci-fi setting are you aiming for um what season of buffy is your monster hearts game or your your monster of the week game that sort of stuff that also actually is now making me think that we could do some like like talking to the players and going hey in the past this has just been the single plot line Mm -hmm. uh what character combinations and feels are you interested in yeah so like if there are two characters that are like oh we're interested in doing a very spooky plot line using these characters yeah then we have that comic run because it can be even a limited comic run Mm -hmm. uh or if someone is like listen I want to I want to just do a game with this person and we're just fighting everybody and like we don't care about emotions we're just fighting people. Yeah. Then we can do that and have that as a thing as well. That's a good way to hit some like player goals. Yeah. We need to yeah. sit down with the main crew and figure out how many comic lines we are. And and I, I have done that a little bit, and I yeah. but I have not like really pushed people to give me answers because yeah. I think the interesting thing there is that you will not always necessarily be dipping into those other other stories or those other True. those other comic lines because like the thing i keep coming back to is if our comic is is a, if our main sort of through story is the young avengers or some sort of a young x-men storyline yeah we will have occasionally stories that are in that main storyline that just focus on storm and cyclops 
Absolutely. And they are just Storm and Cyclops stories. And, then, and they are different from, there is a separate comic book line mm-hmm. that is just Storm and Cyclops. Right. And those stories are always about just the two of them. And they mm-hmm. are going on road trips. And that is all that comic is about, is just Storm and Cyclops going on road trips, oh God, seeing please. America. Please, please, I want <laughs> Diners, Drive-Ins. <laughs> yeah, Diner. and that's what that story is. Yes, that's and so what all I of the, di- the weird X-Men, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dive storylines <laughs> happen in that. But we will oh also God. sometimes just have like prime X-Men comics that yeah. focus on those two characters because it's an ensemble piece. And so we can sit down and say, well, these two players are going to be able to show up to the, or these three players are going to show up to the session. Is this the prime storyline, which we're going to progress without the rest of the players? Or yeah. are we doing a separate comic book line? And what does that yeah. look like? That's, that's super cool. Because then you can also start working out, like, especially if people have characters in multiple comic runs. Mm-hmm. You can start looking and going like, oh, uh, today we're looking at uh, Mark, Elsbeth, and Jess. Uh, the three of them are doing this monster collecting game mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh, is very weird. It's in a different galaxy. Don't even worry about it. They're mm-hmm. playing Pokemon. And then you have that. And you're like, okay, cool. We could go directly into that. Yeah. Are we I, are we out of our minds? Is this too much? No, no, this is just enough. Um, and 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 I think that what like because a lot of this I think for me, so this comes from a place. This comes from two places. One of needing to sort of organize this a little bit better. Yeah, and and but also from and because but that is a that is a unique problem to us. Yeah, because we are a podcast. I think the thing that speaks to more people broadly is that what I felt from the first sort of Falcon down event that we did was I wanted more. I wanted to like, when you have those, um, the big crossover events, like the thing that like, that is great is when Thor suddenly steps into the helicarrier and he's still talking in his like old timey font, but he's next to like, he's next to Nick Fury who just talks like a regular Cuban and yeah. it really stresses the differences in their stories. Um, Absolutely. The other great thing is, which is not a comic book, but it's like if you read the Gunslinger books, the the uh, the Dark Tower books, the Gunslinger talks like um like a an old Western character, and yeah. because most of the time you're in like an old Western type setting, you don't notice it. But then in those moments where he steps out into New York City in the '80s in the Bronx. And he's still talking like an over-the-top cowboy. That's cool. And those moments yeah. stress the differences in those characters. And I wanted more of that in our crossover event, which was yeah. not really a crossover event. And if you were just and if you were just doing this for your home group and you've just been doing this round table GMing thing for a while, but you want to hit like a, a peak uh, climax in your story, you want the different parts of your story to come together and feel different but connected. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm pumped. I'm really excited about this. I think this is going to be a really good direction. I think this is going to be, I think that this little thing of having just like a reference document of what is this storyline is applicable Mm -hmm. to things beyond masks. But I think like, I know there are a couple of just enormous, enormous Westmarsh style uh, masks games that go on. Um, Young Heroes of Halcyon City on our own Discord. Uh, I think there's one on the unofficial masks Discord. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a bunch of them all over the place. Like, I think these could also really benefit from it. 
Yeah, and like I said, even if you're playing a D&D game or you're playing a Dungeon World game yeah. or you're playing a Monster of the Week game, thinking about what is the kind of that, like, because most genres are more detailed than just... Um, yeah. Like we have a really like, with comic books, we have a really easy lingo of like, is our does our thing look like a DC comic? Does it look like a, a Marvel comic? Does it look like a Defenders like street level thing? But like that's yeah. basically genres. Like, are you talking about the Conan style fantasy? Are you talking about mm-hmm. space fantasy? Are you talking about like elves and Lord of the Rings? Are you talking about John Constantine? Like, what yeah. kind of fantasy are you talking about? And then mixing those would be very cool. Because yeah. having your hobbits run to John Constantine for help would be <laughs> mind-blowingly cool. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, that's so good. <laughs> we should so we should we should start wrapping up. Yeah, we should wrap. We're in about an hour. Okay. Um, so if you have cool ways of organizing your games with multiple GMs, or you've had some success with this, or you want to try out our method, uh, give us a shout out. Let us know. You can find us together at Stop Back and Roll on Twitter, or me individually at Dr. Captain Cobalt. And I'm at End the Meltdowns. You can also find all of our episodes, links to some of the games that we've been working on, um, and I'm hopefully going to start working on a better website soon nice uh, as soon as i have a free weekend um that is my plan um but you can find all that at www.stopbackandroll.com you can email us at james or brandon at stopbackandroll.com uh please rate and review our podcast find it on itunes find it on um stitcher whatever wherever you're listening to radio to this podcast uh chances are there's a way you can rate it and by giving us a rating or a review it helps other people find the podcast and uh, makes us feel warm and fuzzy on the inside If you're interested in some more Masks content and some tabletop RPG kind of just discussion, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash Brandon Leon Gambetta. Nice. Um, I watched a couple of those and I'm learning more about Masks. As (laughs) it turns out, uh, even there's stuff I don't know. Um, I've been having so much fun doing this. It's such a weird little thing, but (laughs) tabletop RPGs on YouTube. It's the future. Do it. Hashtag TTRPG hustle. Um, Don't forget to check out our network uh, buddy uh, game closet uh, there the the most recent episode was about Austin Ramsey and I have a really cool story about Austin Ramsey because Austin is the um, I'm gonna say prime host prime GM I don't know of the you don't meet in an inn podcast um, yeah. which is the podcast that got me back into a podcasting but also role-playing games like i had stopped playing role-playing games after i graduated from college and when i was playing yeah this was like so i know a lot of people get back in because of like critical role or because of one shot but like the podcast that i stumbled onto that got me back into wanting to talk about pen and paper games was you don't meet in an inn oh my god i'm delighted i love this i love that podcast um the the they had like very early in their run they i don't even remember what the game is but they have a they have a it's the the beelzebuck story it's about a bunch of like teenagers out in the woods being haunted by or being hunted by a devil deer it is so good absolutely hilarious i go back and listen to that those that those episodes every once in a while um austin is great um he's been working on a um uh beam saber which is like a, a cool mech uh game and i love mech games and there aren't enough of them out there um so go listen to that episode i'm actually i think the episode only came out on the seventh so i haven't gotten a chance to listen to it yet but like as soon as i have some downtime that's what i'm doing 
And Game Claws is just phenomenal. It's so good. You should yeah. check it out. And hey, uh, if you like Taylor, keep an ear out on Protean City Comics as well at a Masks Actual Play podcast. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, we make this podcast with the support of our amazing Patreon backers. We'd like to welcome our new backer, Anthony Sheets, as well as thank some old favorites like Justin Hunter and Kusom, Amur Al-Azizi, Finn, Nick and Cameron Robertson, Shoban Gartland, Rob Abrazado, and Baron Chug. If you would like to help support this show and all of our future shows, um, check us out on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash stophackandroll. If you can't support us financially, consider supporting our community by being a part of it. Join our Discord at tinyurl.com slash shrdiscord or discord.stophackandroll.com. Yeah. Or just tell someone else about the show. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. We love meeting people and learning how everyone knows each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as you're reading alternating months of the comic line that you're actually interested interspersed with three different comic lines that you're not interested in being GM'd by different people that you've never met before, don't forget to stop, hack, and roll. (laughs) 